Welcome to Crosstalk, following Jesus together. I'm your host, Dave Sherrill, and I have my co-host here, Pastor Kevin. Hello, everyone. And we have a special guest today. We have Richard Turcha, uh, one of our missionaries from Europe, who is spending some time in the upper Midwest lately. Richard? Yes, good to be with you, Dave and Kevin. Thanks for inviting me into your, your conversation here. Yes, thank you for giving us some time. We do appreciate it. Uh, part of what we're doing this year, this season in Crosstalk, is we are trying to engage a lot of different people for ideas in how to how to follow Jesus well, whether it's on the mission field or locally. And even in saying that, I can hear a contrast that should not exist because locally is a mission field as well. Richard is a long-term missionary that our church has supported on our missions budget for, I would say, going on maybe a decade? Longer, longer than at that. Least. Yeah, yeah longer. longer than that. Uh, yes. yes. Dave, it may I have been do. the end of, yeah, the end of 1990s, maybe. We went to the oh, field really? in 1994. Okay. And I think uh, First Free began supporting us in the later 1990s, Dave. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. Richard, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, that is. That's cool. a long, that's a long haul. I would say you guys are awesome for being a part of our team for so long. Um, prayers, uh, finances, warm welcomes when we come back and visit you guys. You guys have been uh, a wonderful support team for us for these 28 years or whatever that comes out to be. Yeah. Well, you, you, you serve well, and that encourages us. It does. That's why we're excited when you come to see us. It's always good to see you and, and Susan. When you come back, and I would say the kids, but the kids are probably all independent now. I don't know how many do you have at home now? Grown up adults, and so yes. Susan and I are empty nesters. Our our youngest one graduated from college this spring, so wow. yeah, wow, life changes. It does. Yep, yep. So I'm curious, uh, how did you receive a, a call to the mission field? Yeah. Good, good question. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a phone call, Dave. Um, you asked that question, and it probably makes me go back to when I first came to know Christ, Dave. Um, I had been attending church. I would have called myself a Christian growing up, um, uh, but I, I did that based upon what I did for Jesus or or going to church, or doing the right things, or, or not doing bad things. And it wasn't until I was in my later teens that uh, somebody, uh, a friend from, from a church in my, my local town in northern Iowa, just, just explained the, he, he asked me some simple questions. And I was curious about understanding more about the Bible, about what it means to be a real follower of Jesus. And just real naturally, uh, explained to me that, 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 Rich, it wasn't by my good works. It didn't matter how many good works I could pile on my side of the scale. It still wasn't going to balance out what God's desire was, and that was to be connected to Christ, to have that relationship with Jesus. And so he uh, explained Scripture to me. He invited me to, to become a follower of Christ that day, and it was clear to me. Uh, that that was what I wanted to do and needed to do. Um, I would say that I point back to that time because that that friend also said, Rich, you've made an important decision today 
And now you need to make another important decision, and that's to follow Christ. And that friend invited me to meet with him weekly to study the Bible, to pray. And I look back upon that day as kind of uh, that first calling or that primary calling to the person of Jesus, to be with him, um, to be for him, uh, called by him. Um, I like how Oz Guinness uh, in one of his books, The Calling, he differentiates between first calling or primary calling and secondary calling. And, and that primary calling is to a person, it's to Jesus. And I think every person has that calling. And so you're, you're talking to, to people in your congregation, Dave, about, um, about calling, about mission work. And, and I would agree with you, every person has that calling to, to follow Jesus wherever God has placed them. Um, but you're probably wondering a little bit more about that secondary calling, that that calling of going as a missionary to to Europe. And, oh, I don't know. And that came. We, we leave yeah. we leave the questions kind of open for a reason. Okay. We want to hear okay. your thoughts around it. Yeah, keep going. You know, Rich. I, I just let me just yeah, jump ahead, in Ken. here and say I think you've made a crucial point um, with saying that every single Christian has a calling. And not in a, not necessarily in like a, a, a mystical, whatever, but it's a calling to Christ. I mean, that really is the, mm -hmm. the gospel-centered invitation to follow. And I, I don't know that so much today it's as big of a hang-up, but I know there certainly was a generation, maybe many generations, where if you said the word calling, they thought you meant pastor or missionary. Mm -hmm exclusively mm -hmm. so. And so that's mm -hmm. just so, I mean, I, I already knew that about you, but I just love how you said that and all of whatever that was, 30 seconds or a minute of um, kind of unpacking and redirecting that question in a, in a so helpful way. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And that's, thanks, Kevin. I, I believe that is that, that first calling that, 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 that uh, Jesus asks us to make, and that is to choose to be with him. And then his, his grace, his love, brings us into a community of people where, in my experience, I think in many people's experience, that secondary calling is kind of, uh, it's kind of worked out. Um, and so, as I said, I, I became a, a follower of Jesus in my late teens. Um, I was attending a church where there was a community of people who were reading scripture. We were serving together. They were encouraging me, but also challenging me to be involved in ministry. And um, I, uh, I graduated from high school and I went to, as an exchange student, to Mexico. Hmm. And I think it was there that God first started just opening my mind and heart to the possibility of living overseas or, or what it's like to be a missionary or a full-time worker in a different culture. And I'll tell you, it was kind of scary at first. Um, <laughs> oh, but I remember over a period of days, it was kind of like, okay, Lord, whatever you want for my life, that's what I want. And so just show me more and more what you want for my life, because that's what I want to follow. Um, so I, I think that secondary calling, um, I like to, to call that, that, that calling more of a, it's like hearing in two directions, okay? I, I think I heard from God or God's spirit 
of him just opening my heart, first of all, to consider serving overseas. And then as I came back and I talked to some of the elders, I talked to some of uh, my friends back in my church, they, they affirmed, they encouraged, they challenged me. Um, they said, hey, Rich, if you want to do that, you might want to consider attending a, a Bible school. And it was, uh, it was kind of based upon that, that I laid aside plans to, to study engineering. And I applied to Moody Bible Institute. And um, at Moody, kind of my, my interest in studying the Bible and sharing the gospel with, with lots of culturally diverse people in the Chicago area, just continued to solidify that, that secondary calling. Uh, so that uh, I was thinking, okay, Lord, what does it mean now? Where are you sending me in this world? And, and then getting feedback and help from my professors, from my local church, my home church, as well as friends and, and mission organizations. So that, that's kind of how that, that secondary or that, that calling played out for me, Dave. It really is the way you described it. It's a, it's a process. It really mm -hmm. is. There's mm -hmm. a procession through life, and you're aided by, and I really appreciate the fact that you highlighted that this is this is growth that happens in community mm -hmm. uh, community tends to be a, a hobby horse that i ride a lot just because our mm -hmm. american individualism uh, doesn't emphasize um, a community especially a church mm -hmm. community i know some of our people come out of very strong faith community uh, movements but not everybody does um, so that's I, I i do greatly appreciate how you you describe that you you gain insight and wisdom and advice. I mean, some of that sounds extremely not spiritual. Sometimes when we say, "Well, I received a call to the mission field," you think there's, you know, a big glowing uh, light in the sky, and you hear voices. And I mean, you're describing something that is very normal every day. It's still faith filled. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, but it is uh, a mindset developed, a direction uh, that you head in as a result of your own introspection, your your dialogue with the Lord in prayer and in his word, and also the people around you and the, mm -hmm. the advice that they offer. I think you're hitting that on the head, Dave, that it's, again, I think it's a very biblical. I, I look in the book of Acts, Acts 13, where where there was uh, the Holy Spirit who, who called out and it was clear to Barnabas and to Paul or Saul at that point that, that he was calling them. And you had the local church who, who sent them, who affirmed, who, who put their hands on them. I see that throughout the rest of the, the New Testament that, that Paul wasn't just serving uh, all by himself. He was, he was in teams. He was, he was discerning God's will in community. And uh, yes, he got the Macedonian call to go to a certain place, and yet it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us that we would go follow this direction. And so uh, I think calling, like you said, Dave, I think sometimes it's, it's kind of an easy thing to just say, well, this is God's calling in my life. I'm just going to do it without necessarily getting feedback or encouragement or challenge from the community around us. Yeah. Yeah, and it is important. We we do well to pause long enough to at least listen to the voices around us to consider mm -hmm. what they're what they're seeing. So how? Mm -hmm. Okay, I heard Mexico. I heard multicultural yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, environment in Chicago. 
neither one of those is Central Europe or wherever. How would you describe where the Czech Republic is? Is that considered a Central Europe? Yes, and thank you. Thank you, brother, for it is it historically has been considered Central Europe, even though since 1940s and 50s, because of its coming under the Soviet Union, they were considered Eastern Europe. And yet historically, it's been really a part of Central Europe. It's the surrounding countries would be Germany to the north and to the west, and Austria to the south, and then Slovakia and Poland to the east. And so finds itself very much at the crossroads uh, of Europe. And and you're right, that's not a Spanish-speaking place. In fact, um, my both my wife and I had been considering going to a Spanish-speaking country, probably to, to Spain. Uh, and in 1990, the Lord's working to open up so many different countries of, of Czechoslovakia, for example, or Poland and Hungary, um, just started us to, st I think the Lord has moving in a direction. And yet, as you said, that's that process of understanding calling. We, we discerned, hey, here's a new opportunity to go and to serve in a country where they hadn't uh, had much gospel witness. Um, and the Lord gave me an opportunity to meet some pastors from uh, Hungary and Czechoslovakia and Poland. And just through some conversations and, and me asking them, hey, my wife and I are considering going as missionaries somewhere. What, what kind of missionaries would be helpful for you? And um, I, that was a very foundational conversation because that, that pastor just said, you know, Richard, we uh, thank you for your willingness to go wherever and do whatever. And really what our country needs is somebody to come alongside us to help train pastors, to help start churches, uh, to be light and salt in communities where we have no churches. And um, the Lord started working in, in my heart. Uh, I went back home and told Susan about that conversation. And at first she was a little bit, she was a little bit apprehensive because we both knew Spanish so well, and now it meant learning a new language and uh, uh, quite uh, uh, un unlearnedly, I, I, I said, well, if we can learn one language, we can certainly learn another. <laughs> and uh, Czech is not Spanish, Steve. I'll, no. I'll tell you that. It was, <laughs> it was several years of, of learning uh, both language and culture before we started feeling more at home there. Yeah, yeah. I believe. I believe it. Uh, how how did you how did you begin your your transitional training for language? Did you start learning the language when you were there? Did you try to prepare yourself before? I don't know how that would work. Yeah, um, good question. We our mission uh, organization knows that there are some countries that take a probably shorter amount of time to get proficient in a language, and there's more countries, and there's some other countries such as Slavic speaking or, or Chinese speaking, in which you need to spend at least probably 18 to 24 months. And so we actually, before we left to go to the Czech Republic, uh, we went to a school here in the U.S. to learn how to learn any language. And so we learned some basics of phonetics and linguistics and some basic, uh, how do you learn a language once you hit the ground? And then once we landed in the Czech Republic in 1994, uh, we had two kids at the time. Um, and so Susan and I began attending 
a language school there. We started putting into practice some of our language learning skills. Our kids were going to kindergarten. And so our kids actually learned Czech a whole lot faster than we did. Uh, but uh, we, we made it and uh, probably, but I, I tell you, learning another language is a very humbling experience. I mean, there were, there were times, Dave, where both Susan and I said, oh, Lord, we could be so much more effective and useful in back in the States. Why, why did you call us here? And I think those were times that we, that we remembered the Lord just showing his faithfulness and just saying, Rich, um, I have you here for a reason. And it isn't to just be effective or to be making lots of, of progress. Uh, but I'd have you here for, for growing spiritually, for learning dependence, as well as for learning this language so that you could be knowing the heart language of these people. And so over a period of several months, as well as working in some different Czech churches, we were able to get to a, a pretty good working proficiency so that I was preaching and teaching at the seminary and counseling and coaching in, in the Czech language. But not without a long process. Yeah. Rich, you uh, you pointed out something I just want to comment on, and then I've got a question as well. And the comment would be, um, just here a couple minutes ago, you said that part of how you sort of zeroed in, landed, whatever metaphor you want to use in the Czech Republic, was that you had met some pastors from mm -hmm. Czechoslovakia and Hungary, um, and that you asked them what they need. And, mm. and you said it in this way that I think is so awesome, Rich, because I think this reflects your, your personality of, of just being excited to serve however, however the Lord would want. But I just want to highlight how different that is um, really from a lot of, not trying to harp on Western American ideas here or something like that, but it was a very much okay, what, what needs to be done, I will serve in that way, rather than, well, here's, here's my list of things that I would like to do, and let's see what will match up. And, mm. and, and I love that, and I think that's also really hopeful. It's encouraging, because we spend so much time as a culture kind of navel-gazing, and, you know, what's my, what's my dream calling in life? And, and I'm not saying there's no... Um, room for that, but I, I I wonder if we would be better served by taking an attitude like you just showed, of saying, "Okay, Lord, you you clearly have purpose and vision and mission for me. Um, help me to step into whatever that is." You know, it's it's not so much discovery on our own as it is um, trusting the Lord and, and looking to mm -hmm. Him for what His plans are. And that's oh, I love it. I love mm -hmm. it. Um, Kevin, Kevin, yeah. I really I stand, and I I would say um, that 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 doesn't come naturally. Mm. But I think during my training at Moody, during some of my of just being mentored and discipled by really humble church leaders, mm. that what rubbed off on me was a desire to to ask questions, to to understand better the situation. Uh, of where I could potentially serve. And so those, I mean, by God's grace, I think, Kevin, those are the, the habits, the values that have been, that were trained 
kind of into me that uh, that the questions of just being um, curious about what is it that you need? How can we work together? Um, I think uh, an important aspect of community that, that this isn't something that Rich and Susan were just going to do to the checks. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is something that we did with them. Yeah. And in order to do that together, it meant we've got to know what, what they need and what their, and what their heart and what their desires are about as well. So um, you're right, Kevin, that's, that's not a natural thing. I'm, I'm grateful for the professors, for the church leaders who have demonstrated that sort of humble question asking um, character in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did I hear you say, uh, when, when did you first go to the Czech Republic? Yeah. And so we first moved there with our family in 19, October of 1994. Because, and this is going to show you, I should have paid far more attention in Western Civ class. <laughs> but uh, what was it? 89, 90? Didn't they? I mean, is that the whole Velvet Revolution and your landing just a few years after kind of thing? That's good. Yep, yep. Good question. The uh, the fall of communism came the latter part of 1989. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in Czech Republic, it came in November of 1989. In some other countries, it took uh, several more weeks uh, for them to actually, for the new governments to start. Uh, but for the most part, all of those Soviet bloc uh, countries, such as Poland and Hungary and East Germany at that point, and Czechoslovakia, um, all of those countries became free and they had their own leadership. Uh, and all that happened just in a period of a few months. And so, yeah, we arrived just about four years following the, the fall of communism, at least the changeover of government. Mm. Um, but a lot of the mindsets, a lot of the cultural uh, suspicions and difficulties of trust in government or trust between families, those sort of things were still going on, I would say, Kevin. Sure. And what does it look like then? You, you land on the ground. You've come with this heart to, to serve and to come alongside um, some... Um, in some ways, probably uh, Czech churches and believers who are, they're navigating kind of a brave new world themselves. Mm-hmm. And just what would be some of the, I'm sure, I mean, we would have a very fruitful, awesome several hours just if you if you unpacked kind of, you know, everything for us. What are some of the big things um, mm-hmm. that you did, that you uh, partnered with, that you... Um, by God's grace, had a hand in um, teaching and training in the Czech Republic. What'd that look like at the start, mm-hmm. I guess, might be the simple way to say it. Yeah, yeah. Great, great question. I, we had the, the gift uh, of being able to go with a team of missionaries. And so Susan and I and our two kids arrived in Prague, but there were already quite a few missionaries from the Evangelical Free Church, uh, Reach Global, who had been serving there already for a few months. And so when we joined, we joined a team of missionaries uh, who already had friends and contacts. And so they introduced us to some of the pastors in these churches. They helped us to find uh, an apartment to live in. Um, Some of these Czech friends helped us to find language helpers. 
Um, they knew, uh, they knew that we would be needing friends, that we would be needing just basic help of, of how do you find a grocery store and, um, and, uh, families to invite us over for Christmas time. I mean, Christmas was just a, a month and a half away and this was our, you know, our first Christmas. And so we had several Czech families who invited us, I think because the pastor was encouraging them, look, you know, there's missionaries here who, uh, who need community and so reach out to them. Um, and so I think it was kind of through those relationships that, uh, that helped us to, to build those, those friendships. I think Kevin too, it was based upon those relationships and building of trust that I was invited uh, to begin teaching at the, the, the evangelical seminary in Prague's. Mm. Um, and so after a few years, uh, doing language training and and working in some churches, uh, I think the Czechs were able to trust me to the point that that they they would wanted to hear my teaching and um, they wanted me to help train their students in community about how be about how to be leaders in their in their churches. Those relationships are um, mm. really the answer you just gave. I mean, it's relational all the way through, both for yeah. Um, how you and your family were cared for, um, for the massive value of having a team that you're working a, a, alongside. What a blessing to not mm. be kind of the, the, you know, the, the, the first or sole or lone ranger missionary, but then also um, the relationship of trust of how you're able to pour um, into and, and start blessing um, the Czech uh church and believers and leaders mm. as well. What, um, mm. I've realized now a, a, a lot of years have passed. Um, give me a snapshot of what does ministry look like for you now? And I'll, I'll get to the, uh, the, the Trinity doctoral part here in, in a minute, but I'm curious when you're, when you're over in Europe, um, you know, kind of fast forward us, What's it look like today? What's your role now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just again a learning process of of having. So our first two church plants that we were involved with, Kevin, we were on site. We were living among the people. We were, you know, eating meals. Uh, I was a part of the leadership team. As time went on in different, in, in later years, I was working more as a coach, as an encourager, as a resourcer to pastors in different contexts in the Czech Republic. That, that role then, then moved into, I was invited to, to work with some of our, our REACH Global staff in, um, in their church plants. And so mm-hmm. coaching uh, our missionaries who are doing church planting or, or meeting with some of their uh, their, their, their local partners in, in Portugal or in, uh, or in Athens or in Bosnia. Um, I mean, by God's grace, the, again, the Lord opened up those, those relationships, the trust to just be able to come in and just ask questions, to mm. learn, uh, to encourage. I mean, what, what these workers need so much is just ongoing encouragement that their their labor is not in vain that that they are already beloved they don't have to prove anything they don't have to show anything by god's grace 
they are the beloved, which then gives them encouragement and power to love people around them. I, I think that's the importance, the value of community is yeah. being able to know, to trust that I am the beloved, but also hearing from other people reminding me that I serve in the power of being a beloved one who gives of myself. And so that that's a large part of my ministry now, uh, Kevin, is, is coaching, encouraging, resourcing, uh, asking a lot of questions, helping people to find solutions that they are the best ones to solve mm-hmm. uh, because they are, they are most knowledgeable of that situation. Sure. Yeah. And I, I, I think I have a, an, an inkling that now if I asked, okay, I know you're at Trinity. Um, working on a doctorate mm-hmm. and just from knowing your, your, a little bit of your research and things, I have a feeling that flows directly into, and then, you know, Lord willing also out of what you're studying. Mm-hmm. Fill us in on that. What, uh, um, I know you have a doctoral topic and, uh, how, how is, what is it and how is that playing into this, um, well, this calling that the Lord uh, yeah. currently has on your life. Yeah, this, and again, I'm, the longer I'm studying this, Kevin, the more I see it's such a gift mm. uh, from God to, to call me, I think, into doing this doctoral research. And that's what it is. It's the hard work of, of asking questions and learning so that on a certain topic so that I can, I can write well and write for the people who are for the leaders and churches around the world who are going to be needing that information. So mm. it's a gift from God, but it's also a gift from, from the church. I mean, um, we have people who are praying for us, who are uh, supporting us so that we can be doing this, this research. And so um, it really is flowing out of my years of ministry, Kevin, of, of, uh, of wanting to develop a learning atmosphere, learning culture where people are safe and sense that they are able to learn. They're able to ask questions that may seem kind of dumb, uh, but because it comes to their mind, they want to ask. It's a culture of learning where people are free to make mistakes and learn from them. It's a, it's a culture where people are able to, to challenge the status quo. And so that's that's kind of what my my dissertation, my topic is about is, is how are leaders of global organizations, global Christian organizations, how are they fostering that sort of a culture so that their staff and their workers are growing and flourishing so that their mission organization is uh, growing and flourishing? Mm. Yeah. And I can see how that flows out of also, I mean, your own experience and your own work and yet how that's a, I mean, to, to figure out how to answer those questions, to see the examples from other um, faithful ministry works. Um, what a blessing that would be for the church, mm-hmm. you know, both mm-hmm. here, abroad, around the world, um, to be able to, to see a little more of that picture of how we, if I'm hearing you right, in essence, how we pour into each other, encourage each other in Christ, develop one another, disciple one another. Um, mm-hmm. How we mm-hmm. do that affects um, not just the individual, but 
the organization and ultimately the mission of God, or at least our part yeah. in it. Yeah. And, and, you know, Kevin, just the foundation, Jesus was a master at c- creating community, healthy, mm. flourishing community, because as John 1.14 tells us, he came full of grace and truth. And, and many times, Kevin, we like to separate grace and truth on opposite ends of a spectrum and say, well, sometimes he acted in grace and sometimes he acted in truth. But really, as you see him, Jesus wasn't, you know, he wasn't bifurcated to, to try to decide which one. He always lived out grace and truth. And a great passage of that is, uh, is in Matthew 16, where at one point you see the disciples ask, he asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? Mm. And uh, Peter pipes up and he, and he says, uh, you are the Christ. And, and Jesus says, you got the right answer, mm-hmm. affirms him, encourages him. You got it right. And then we read just a few moments later where Jesus starts talking about, if you want to be a follower of mine, you're going to need to take up your cross and follow me. And he talks about dying. And Peter, that same Peter who just a few minutes ago got the answer right, mm-hmm. Peter says, no way, Jesus. <laughs> that is not going to happen because I know a better plan. Mm-hmm. And Jesus responds to him and says, Peter, that answer is not from God. That is actually from the devil. Yeah. And so Jesus was a master at being able to love but also to create uh, an atmosphere where there was grace and truth that was intermixing so that people had an opportunity to grow, to be challenged, uh, uh, to want to be a part of Jesus' work. And those are the principles that, uh, as I'm doing my research, I'm hearing that more and more often among these global leaders, Kevin, Mm. of how do we apply grace and truth in our communities? How do we live that out by first experiencing it in our own lives as the beloved, and then creating a culture of grace and truth? Boy, don't get me going here, Kevin. I was going to say. for a long time on this. Um, here, maybe bridge that, that thought over to, um, I'll let you answer this from whatever direction you want. Uh, it, it can either be, hey, you've just flown into the Czech Republic in 1994, or uh, or even more recently. But how how do you take? Um, maybe better asked because I realize your your research is trying to figure this out. So in your own experience, how have you um, embodied both that that grace and truth melded together? How do you do that with reaching? Um, you know either kind of missionally the where you are in Prague, let's say, or other mm-hmm. church plants you've had. Uh, what does it mm-hmm. look like to reach a city or a community with grace and truth? Where do you start? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, it's, it starts, Kevin, with me, my team, living within and reminding one another of that grace and truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I am not experiencing that, if I'm not embracing the grace and truth that, that my father has for me, if that isn't causing me to be both humbled and even at times hmm, uh, sad mm-hmm. that, uh, that I'm not living in faith, 
uh, of grace and truth. And at times just joyful and uh, just overjoyed that he loves me so much that uh, I can't, I can't believe it. If that isn't being worked out in my, my team, my community, whether that be with my missionaries in, in working through conflict, in being able to both affirm and to challenge, if it's not working out within my, my team of checks, uh, where I'm experiencing it and they are able to experience that. It's hard for us to be light or salt in a world that may not have ever experienced that grace and truth. And so the first, the first taste that these Czechs often have of Jesus is when they meet another Christian. And, and what flows out of them is going to be the first thing that they realize, oh, this is an amazing, this is an amazing person. And then as they get to know them, it's like, well, they're not amazing because of their own nature. It's because of they're pointing to somebody else that they're following. And, and this Jesus person is working in their lives and they want to know more about that. Mm. I mean, I could, I could tell you lots of stories, Kevin, about um, Czechs having a real aversion to the church or to institutional Christianity. And yet as they, as they get the taste or experience uh, a Christian who may not necessarily have it all together, uh, who, who admits that he stumbles, falls, he, suff he suffers from unforgiveness or shame. But as he sees a real person who's being transformed into the image of Jesus, uh, because of that person experiencing that grace and truth and community, he wants to know more about what this Christianity stuff is all about. So that's, that's where I start. It starts with, with living that out within community. With, uh, it, 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 it's extended by connecting with neighbors just through, through hospitality, inviting to meals, uh, showing up at your kids' events. Uh, demonstrating love and compassion, uh, demonstrating that these people who Christ died for, who may not even realize that they are beloved, that Jesus came and died for them, that I can demonstrate love to them in ways that they're just, uh, they're, they haven't experienced or sometimes they're a little bit uncomfortable with or even suspicious of, of why I'm showing them love or compassion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that, am I hitting that? Yeah. Kevin? Um, uh, yeah. And, you know, one of the things I'm hearing is just that it, uh, on the one hand, this is maybe not as complicated as, as we tend to make it at times of, oh, we've got to have, you know, the professionals that are trained in all the evangelism and the apologetics. And that's not to downplay any of that at all. But what I heard mm -hmm. was a very simple, I mean, very much a, a, Hey, what does it mean to go first? I mean, follow Christ your, yourself and in community, and then to invite others into that by really mm. sharing life with them. Hey, let's go mm. grab a meal. Mm. Let's, uh, our kids are both on the, the soccer team. Let's go to the match together. Let's um, to, to do this in this life together. Um, mm. And that's something every Christian can do. That's right. And, and the thing is, Kevin, I, and I do this sometimes when I even go to churches, 
here in the States, I, I do just a, a short seminar on being a culturally sensitive or culturally mm. aware. And so the thing is, in, in Sioux City, in every town of, of Iowa, there are cultural differences that, uh, that some people don't even, aren't even aware of. Mm. And so I think it's often understanding or asking questions, for example, tell me some more about your family life. Tell me about where you came from. Um, when you were growing up, who were your heroes? Uh, those things are cultural windows into the lives of people that they're just wanting to get to know. Uh, and yet they, they, they pour out a lot of backstory of these people in which I can be identifying with or, or, or sometimes it's a very different life. Mm -hmm. And then I can, I can learn from them. Uh, but it's it's building connection with these people, and and whether you're in Iowa or whether you're in Berlin or Prague or Vienna, there's cultural differences. I think that God can use to help us to to build those relationships, to build curiosity, to intuitively learn from people. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's helpful. You know, Rich, uh, one of the things that we we like to do um, with this podcast is to resource. Uh, listeners well. And I, I realize what we're, what we're talking about is best practiced, um, you know, in community, relational, in person, but I'm going to do the risk of saying, <laughs> is there a, a, a book or two? And I'm thinking mm -hmm. um, lay level, you know, something maybe 200 ish pages or less, something that, that you would say is really helpful. Um, for a Christian to begin asking those kinds of questions, either of their own community or, or, or maybe they're even just confused of, oh, okay, Lord, what, what do you have me here for? Um, do you have any resources that way that, you, that you'd point people towards as, as helpful? Mm -hmm. um, that is a great question. That's uh, a huge Kevin, risk. And I, love... and I say, I realize right <laughs> That's now. Okay. Hey. You're you looking at yourself. And, okay, good. You do have yeah, one. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Bonhoeffer and what he writes about community, and I'm not coming up with the oh, name. Oh, uh, Life uh, Together. Life Together, thank yeah. you, is a wonderful book. Um, I'm trying to think of, uh, uh, and I can give you some resources that, that have to do with just, if you do a, a search on the internet and just, how do I ask good questions? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Asking questions is, is the primary way of serving someone, I would say, Kevin. I, I think when I ask a question, I give them an opportunity to tell me what's important to them. And, and not just how are you doing or uh, what's the weather going to be tomorrow. It's, it's questions that I, I kind of like to carry, I, I say, on my, on my tool belt, that when I meet someone new, I always have questions uh, that I want to be able to ask them. For example, um, did you grow up in this area? Um, um, if I'm just getting to know someone, I'll, I'll ask them questions like, uh, who were some of your heroes growing up? Hmm. Um, uh, those are, and, and I think if you did a little search, those, there's lots of good questions to just pick up to know someone. Yeah. That if you're inviting Last night, we had some some friends over. We were just wanting to get to know them. And I just had, I Googled some good questions to ask for getting to know one another. 
And uh, I think that's a great way of, of just helping us to become, to become inquisitive and curious about other people's lives. So building community starts by asking questions, uh, which by God's grace are going to go deeper into what's most important in my life uh, about my faith in Jesus, about my faith walk. Um, so uh, I, uh, I'm not giving you a whole handful of books here. But no, starting with good. Bonhoeffer, I think it's good. And then some books on, on, uh, ah, here's a good, okay, thanks. If you got me talking long enough, I'll think of uh, <laughs> questioning evangelism. And I can't remember the author. Randy author. Newman. I just listened uh, to a podcast. It, he was in his third edition and the, uh, there you go. uh, the college president of, I'm sorry, I won't get it wrong. One of the leaders at Cairn University. Okay. Uh, okay. he did a podcast with Thank him, but you. I had never heard of him before. But you are you are calling out a resource that I know I need to become aware of. Oh, Rich, this is awesome. Thank you for your time and certainly praying for you here as you as you continue mm. studies and because you're in the mm. research phase now. Am I thinking right? Ending, yep, ending the research. I'm moving into my writing. And so uh, okay. I'm, I'm I've gathered the data and now Kevin, I am I'm looking for themes. What are those key themes? that those global leaders there's some some convergence on and that's mm. going to be my chapter four is uh is my uh my findings and then chapter five is the so what that's uh now winnowing down all of my findings and joining that with uh what the literature is already saying and that's my chapter five uh of my dissertation so uh i can see the light at the end of the tunnel <laughs> i'm hoping it's not a train <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, no promises, but Lord willing, I'm, I'm hoping to have a pretty good draft done by the end of this year and hopefully be able to defend it beginning of next year. Ooh, so January, February nice. defense, if I could, by God's grace. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I will be praying for that. And, uh, thank you. Yeah. Who knows if you need an audience or something, let me know. Maybe I can make something work out. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. I'll gain some pointers right, for right. what I need to do. Because <laughs> so. you're working on a demon is uh, yeah. a doctorate as well, yes? Yeah, I'll enter yes. the research phase. Um, I've got one more course in the spring, and then I'll be in the research phase. All right. So. Excellent. Way yeah, to go, brother. man. Way to go. Uh, ah, we're on this, uh, running this marathon together. That's yes. true. That's true. But we appreciate the time. Mm. We really, really do. So grateful to be with you guys, really. Grateful to to help fan the flame of the spirit, to be working in, in the lives of people, and for them to be courageous to allow him to work in their lives. So yeah, absolutely. thanks for inviting me. Yes, thank you, Richard. Yep. Thank you for listening to Crosstalk, following Jesus together.